Welcome to the Dispatched Week in Review podcast. Paul Cross here. Hello, Carol. Hi, Paul. 9th of December. Not that we're counting the days. Home straight. <laughs> but uh, I was like reaching and <laughs> tripping and stumbling towards the, the finish line. It's been an interesting week, Carol. It has. Lots going on. Companies have received their final outcomes from their applications for relief from next April's catch-up productions. How did they go? Not well. So these were actually due in the middle of November. Companies were given the indicative outcomes at the end of October and then given 10 days to provide additional information, 10 working days. Some did. The Minister's Office intervened to review the department's decision on the final outcomes, but there was no, no additional relief it's it's interesting. It is it is complex because it goes to the application of the power. Once the minister delegates the power, that's it. Mm. So if the minister delegates the power, the official with the delegated power essentially acts as if they are the minister, and that's that's a complexity. No one should think that the minister's office, their personal staff, can call the official and just sort of try and compel them to change their outcome. They can't. And this is the the nuance. It's important to understand that when you're an advisor in a minister's office, your power is proximity. You don't a- actually have any official power. That's a complex situation uh, made more complicated given Mark Butler appeared to not want to take back the power, which probably would have been better uh, because I think some of the companies, only a small number of companies, that were up in the minister's office having their submissions reviewed and some of them had been essentially publicly identified by Mike Butler in November last year during a parliamentary discussion on the enabling legislation. So it's a shame. I doubt it's over yet. I suspect companies are now thinking whether to fight on, delist the medicine, just accept it and shed staff as a result. But I suspect that with three and a half months to go until these price cuts actually take effect, that there is still quite a long way to go. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that the minister could, in the end, decide to exercise the power. What the departmental officials would have been saying is, if we change this decision, then we're at risk of making 100 other decisions that we've already made wrong, and those companies could seek legal review. I think that's, that's probably an exaggeration. Uh, this is why it would have been ideal if Mr Butler had taken back the power because different decision makers are perfectly entitled to make different decisions and that would have made it a lot easier. But we're here and the companies are dealing with it. Medicines Australia hosted the first Horizon Scanning Forum earlier this week. Any thoughts? It was an interesting conversation. I thought the futurist, the Hungarian futurist was was interesting. Look, it was – I think the question is where it goes from here – I don't think – look, some of the challenges we have around regulatory and reimbursement of new health innovations are not on the horizon. They're very much here today and we need to think about how they're going to get worse. So if we look to the horizon, how they're going to get worse. We have new technologies such as gene and cell therapies that uh, aren't treated equally. So if you're a patient and your cell or gene therapy happens to go through the PBS pathway, all good. If it happens to go through the uh, non-PBS pathway, then the public hospital agreements between the federal and state territory governments, then you're probably going to come up against jurisdictional issues with state and territories just not wanting to, not wanting these therapies to be used because they have to fund and contribute 50% of the cost. Mm. This is a problem that's very much today and it wasn't really discussed that much 
at that horizon scanning form. I think in principle it's a good idea. The question is where it where it goes from here. As set against the backdrop of a minister who introduced it and officially opened it, but didn't really give it any direction. It would be much better if the minister said, this is a great idea, we've signed up to this, this is what I want out of this form. I want two or three ideas on how we can actually incorporate this more effectively in decision-making. And we didn't get that. When the minister's not driving it in terms of this is the outcome that I want, then it kind of just becomes a sort of rudderless, somewhat rudderless, directionless conversation. So that's that's the challenge. And I do think the industry needs to focus on trying to get that out of the minister a little bit more. Well, what do you want? And if you don't really want anything from it, then why? why bother? We're rapidly approaching the end of the year. What are your reflections on 2022 and what should we look forward to in 2023? Well, we wrote about this this morning and my comment was, I don't think the PBS can take too many or more years like it has had in 2022. This new pricing framework is just a complete disaster. Mm. for all involved except the people who want to treat the PBS as if it's a revenue raiser. Yeah. It's not a great policy and companies have been dealing with that all year. I do think the industry and other advocates for change need to just take a step back, reconsider what they're doing and understand that they're now they're in an environment where the minister's not really giving us clear direction about what he wants and we have a very antagonistic administration in terms of the people administering these programs. So that's, that's not a recipe for positive reform. And that's, that's the bit that worries me is that I just don't know how this is going to end, end well in the absence of clear direction from a minister, such as with the Health Technology Assessment Review, saying these are the things that I want. He hasn't said that yet, and he might, but at the moment the recipe is not really a good one for 2023. So we've had the initial stages of the new pricing framework. That's going to become far more entrenched next year. And I think there are things in this framework that people haven't quite realised yet, particularly around the price disclosure policy and how that's going to change. And so this is going to be an enduring lesson about understanding the impact of of these changes. And they're going to, to roll on through 2023. I would like to see the industry and advocates for change just take that step back be a bit more cautious and tempered in their statements, close the gap between what they say and what actually happens, and understand that there's nothing wrong, negative or cynical about being a little bit defensive and cautious. It's actually respectful of the environment, other stakeholders, and their position in this system, which is very vulnerable. Just be cautious. Understand that this environment, which is characterised by so much power asymmetry, it is very hard to get a government and its officials to do something that they do not want to do. It's as simple as that. But it is very easy for them to use all of these processes and touch points to get what they want. And I think that's that's a critical point. Yeah. Okay. And questions from you guys. This week, you have written a lot about the renaissance of Australian biomedical manufacturing. Is it sustainable? Should the industry be doing more to shift the conversation towards its industrial contribution to the economy? It's a really interesting question. Uh, there, it is remarkable. Two or three years ago, before the pandemic, manufacturing in Australia was pretty much on its knees and no one was really interested. Governments weren't interested in it. They were happy to rely on global supply chains. That They all had sort of their <laughs> moment of realisation during the pan- pandemic and that's led to this really significant focus on constructing new manufacturing facilities. Just this week, we've had CSL open their new blood plasma fractionation facility. Moderna's started construction of their mRNA facility in Melbourne. Queensland has announced 
the deal with Agros, which is an emerging Australian fractionation company, and Sanofi has invested, agreed to a partnership with the Queensland government for $280 million in research facilities. So that comes on the back of other changes, and I interviewed uh, Viatris last week, and they've expanded the production capacity at their facility in Carroll Park, just west of Brisbane. They got a million dollars from the federal government. They matched that. They added production lines, and it's going to produce an extra billion, one billion tablets a year. So it's quite a remarkable thing and remarkable investment. So I think that's interesting. Whether it can be sustained, I don't know, but I do think it is a much better conversation for the industry than constantly leading with PBS and products. Mm. I think talking about the industries and the and the individual country, the contribution of individual companies to the economy, to workforce issues, to the industrial capacity of Australia to produce biomedical innovation. It's just a much better conversation because then the commercial environment becomes one component of a much wider conversation about workforce, infrastructure, intellectual property, support for manufacturing and R&D. So I do think it's an opportunity, but it's going to require a pivot. And look, I know a lot of people in the industry are talking about it. So here's, we can only hope that it continues to go, but it is a, it is a remarkable shift over the last couple of years that I don't think anyone anyone really predicted at all. So we will keep going on that. Short and sharp, that's it. Short and sharp this week. I think people are starting to just sort of... It's December. <laughs> it's December. Reach, reach for the year. There's still more to come in the next couple of weeks. I think we'll do one more edition of the Week in Review. We probably should make a bit of a year in review. But, Carol, thank you so much Thanks, for joining Paul. me today. And uh, please keep those questions coming in, everyone. <laughs>